0: What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actress Anne Hathaway and the movie... Venom, Let There Be Carnage. First, let's talk about the career of Anne Hathaway. Hathaway's first film role was in Disney's The Princess Diaries along with Julie Andrews, and it was a huge breakout for Hathaway as the movie made $126 million. The movie was directed by Gary Marshall, and it's pretty impressive that he gave Julia Roberts her breakout role in Pretty Woman and Hathaway's breakout role in The Princess Diaries. These are are two of the biggest movie stars of their generation. Hathaway then went on to star in Ella Enchanted, a film in which I've seen a million times, and was in Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. She then took on some more dramatic roles in Brokeback Mountain with Jay Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, The Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep, Emily Blunt, and Stanley Tucci, and Rachel Getting Married where she received her first Oscar nomination. I really like her in the movie Brokeback Mountain*. Her scenes with Jake Gyllenhaal are incredible. I think she's an underrated aspect of that film. And I think The Devil Wears Prada is when regular moviegoers started to take her seriously. She was in a movie with Meryl Streep. She was in a movie with Stanley Tucci. That's when people started to take her serious as a movie star. I mean, before, she was the lead of a Disney movie. And we all thought maybe she was going to be like a one-hit wonder or whatever. But then that movie comes out and she becomes a legitimate movie star. 2012 is in arguably the best career of Anne Hathaway's career. She first starred alongside Christian Bale and Tom Hardy in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises playing Catwoman. I think she's the best part of that movie. Sorry, Tom Hardy Bane fans. And then she had a supporting role in Les Miserables with Hugh Jackman and went on to win the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. How can you have a bigger year than that? You got to be in the biggest blockbuster of the year directed by Christopher Nolan and and you got critically acclaimed performance in *Lame Miz. If you're comparing it to when Michelle Pfeiffer played Catwoman in 1992 in Batman Returns, that same year, Pfeiffer was also nominated for an Academy Award for the movie Love Field. That's a pretty cool connection between Hathaway and Pfeiffer. They were both able to give big performances in blockbusters, while also giving critically acclaimed performances in more prestigious films. In 2014, Hathaway re with Nolan on Interstellar, along with Matthew McConaughey and Jessica Chastain, and in 2015 she starred alongside Robert De Niro in the Nancy Myers film The Intern. That is such a wonderful film. I love her performance in that movie. She has great chemistry with De Niro. I mean, that's a cool thing about Hathaway's career is she's worked alongside some of the all-time greats, Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada and Robert De Niro in The Intern. And Hathaway began her career working with one of the all-time greats. You know, Julie Andrews, the one who's best known for winning an Oscar for playing Mary Poppins, and oh, by the way, she starred in a little movie called The Sound of Music. Hathaway is one of the best actresses of her generation. She's an Oscar-winning actress, but she has not been on the greatest run of movies lately. I thought she was terrific in Ocean's 8, although that's not a great movie, and I really liked her in Todd Haynes' Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. But lately, things have been rough for Hathaway as a movie star. She was the lead in Serenity, The Hustle, The Last Thing He Wanted, The Witches, and Lockdown. All films that are surprisingly bad. I hope and I think she will bounce back because she's too good not to. Hathaway's next projects include the miniseries We Crash with Jared Leto and the movie Armageddon Time with Oscar Isaac, Cate Blanchett, Robert De Niro, and Donald Sutherland. And I'm highly anticipating that one because of its director, James Gray. He gets incredible performances from actors. I can't wait to see Anne Hathaway work with James Gray. He gets some of my favorite performances from well-known actresses. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow in Two Lovers, Marion Coatesyard in The Immigrant, and hopefully Anne Hathaway in Armageddon Time. I think she needs a bounce-back movie, and I feel like this one might be it. My favorite performance from Anne Hathaway is in The Princess Diaries. There's nothing like realizing you are watching a movie star, even as a Kid, I knew she was going to be a massive star. The movie is silly, but it still holds up. Like again, I didn't even know what a movie star was when I watched The Princess Diaries, but then I watched that movie and I was like, okay, I have to pay attention to who this person is. That's what movie stardom is. It's a magnetism. You are now connected to that person. You want to see their next movies. I think the most underrated performance of her career is weirdly in The Devil Wears Prada. When we talk about that film, we talk about Streep, we talk about Blunt, and we talk about Stanley Tucci, and rightfully so, but Anne Hathaway holds her own against an acting legend, and I don't feel like she gets enough credit for that. I don't think Anne Hathaway is universally beloved, and I quite don't understand why. Like, I think we love to do this with actresses. I've talked about it on this podcast. We love to anoint you as the next big movie star, but then we'll find something about you, and we don't like you anymore. We've done it with Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence. We've done it with Bree Larson. We go through these cycles and we went through that cycle with Anne Hathaway. I remember around the time she was hosting the Oscars with James Franco and that was one of the worst Oscars I've ever seen. And yeah, that deserved to be made fun of. But I think Anne Hathaway is one of the best actresses I've ever seen. I really like her work. I don't think you can knock her as an actress. Like I think she's one of the last remaining massive movie stars. And here are the list of Anne Hathaway performances I highly recommend you check out The Princess Diaries, Ella Enchanted, Brokeback Mountain, The Devil Wears Prada, Rachel Getting Married, The Dark Knight Rises, Les Miserables, Interstellar, The Intern, and Dark Waters. Let's switch gears and talk about the movie Venom Let There Be Carnage. Here's a quick synopsis. After the events of the first film, Eddie Brock and Venom visit serial killer Cletus Cassidy on his deathbed and accidentally help Cassidy escape and create a symbiote known as Listen, I was a fan of the first one and was interested to see where the franchise would go from there, and no one could have seen that this is the way Tom Hardy's career has gone. He's regarded as a fantastic actor, and instead of being a charming movie star, he is Eddie Brock and is obsessed with doing silly voices. Yeah, he did it in Bane, but that was after almost a decade later. It's shocking that this is still what he is doing, and it's the thing that is keeping him relevant. I like him in these movies, but I also want to see him in high-quality films, and it seems like he only is in them when he works with Christopher Nolan or Leonardo DiCaprio. Hardy is devoted to this character. He's a co-writer of this film. And yeah, I like him in this character, but let's not talk about it like we're talking about Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. Tom Hardy is not bringing anything that special to the role of Eddie Brock. I want to see the Tom Hardy that I grew up watching in movies like Warrior... That's the Tom Hardy I want. I think the last great Tom Hardy performance was in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. I loved him in that movie. Sorry Capone. I like the movie Capone. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a weird Hardy performance. And that's what we're getting lately. We're getting weird performances from one of the best movie stars working today. And I don't like it very much. I want to see Tom Hardy in a movie we all universally love because I think he's that talented. I want to see Tom Hardy with in the Oscar. I think he should already have one for Warrior. Listen, he's been nominated once for in his career and that was for the movie The Revenant, a movie he worked with Leonardo DiCaprio on. Hardy's next projects include the movies Havoc with Forrest Whitaker and Timothy Oliphant and the things they carried with Pete Davidson, Ty Sheridan and Bill Skarsgård. And I really hope Hardy shows up in the final season of Peaky Blinders. He's fantastic as Alfie and every time he is on screen with Killian Murphy, it is pure gold. A lot, and I mean a lot of people want Tom Hardy to be the next James Bond, but I think you're living in a fantasy world. I don't see that happening. A, he's had too much baggage with him. I mean, if Tom Hardy becomes Bond, we're all gonna talk about Venom. We're all gonna talk about his Inception movie. When they cast someone as Bond, it's usually a guy who is on the cut- of being famous, Tom Hardy is already wicked famous, and B, I don't think he wants to be the lead of that kind of movie. He doesn't want that kind of movie star role. Yes, he was great in Inception and he was charismatic in that movie, but those have not been the type of roles he's chosen lately. As much as James Bond films probably don't want Tom Hardy, I don't think Tom Hardy wants James Bond, and if you think he does, I don't think you're paying enough attention to his career decisions lately. I think he'd rather be Bane, Capone, and Venom doing silly voices than being a suave secret agent. Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris are also in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and they are no strangers to blockbuster films. Harrelson was in the Hunger Games films, War of the Planet of the Apes and Solo, and Harris has had roles in two of the Pirate of the Caribbean films and the last three Daniel Craig Bond films. And I like both of these actors. They've given some of my favorite performances, is Harrelson and White Man can Jump and Harris and 28 Days Later, but they are not very good in this movie and they are not given enough time to develop chemistry. Harrelson will next star in The Man from Toronto with Kaylee Coco and Kevin Hart and Harris in Swan Song with Mahershala Ali, Glenn Coase, and Aquafina. Michelle Williams returns in this one, and once again she proves she is too good to be in these venom movies with the very little screen time that she is given. She does a lot, and I'm so confused in how both Venom films, they rush her relationship with Hardy. The movie should be built around the two of them. This is one of my biggest criticisms towards superhero movies when it comes to casting the love interest of the main hero. They always get somebody super famous, like Rachel McAdams in Doctor Strange. Remember that? She was given such a small role in that movie, yet she's a big name. What was the point of giving the role to Rachel McAdams, and I feel the same way about Michelle Williams in Venom. It's like Venom just cast her in the role because she's Michelle Williams, and then they gave her absolutely nothing to do. Williams' next movie is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans with Paul Dano and Seth Rogen, and it is a coming-of-age story about Steven Spielberg's childhood. Sign me up for that movie immediately. I never thought I'd say this for a movie that added Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris, but the best addition to the cast of Venom Let There Be Carnage is Stephen Graham, who is best known for his roles in Guy Ritchie's Snatch, and Martin Scorsese's Gang of New York. I loved his character in this. He had such a fun dynamic with Tom Hardy. It felt like he actually knew what kind of movie he was in. Him and Tom Hardy felt like they were in one movie, and Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris felt like they were in a totally different one. Graham is reportedly said to have a role in the final season of Peaky Blinders. I cannot wait for that show, and I cannot wait for Steven Graham to be a part of it. I think he will be an excellent fit for the show. The director of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, is Andy Serkis, who is best known for playing Gollum in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Snoke in the Star Wars sequel trilogy, Caesar in the reboot of the Planet of the Apes, Usilius Claw in Avengers Age of Ultron and Black Panther. I think he's a really good director. I loved his directorial day Breathe, which starred Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy. I mean, it kind of makes sense that Circus would want to direct Venom Let There Be Carnage. He's known for playing CGI characters. Gollum is CGI. Snoke is CGI. In Venom, there is a ton of CGI. Something hit me when I was watching Venom Let There Be Carnage. These Venom films remind me of the Schumacher Batman films of the 90s that starred Val Kilmer and George Clooney. They are over the top and campy and yes Venom has way more violence than those Batman films but like those Batman films all Venom wants to be is fun Woody Harrelson and this is reminiscent of Jim Carrey and Batman Forever he's so going for it that you can't take the movie seriously I mean when he was going on that crime spree with Naomi Harris's character all I could think about is Batman Forever when Jim Carrey and Two-Face start to team up and they Cause havoc all around Gotham. And let me clarify I really like Batman Forever, but it feels like most superhero movies today are not like that. Superhero movies today try to make it so that it feels like there are stakes, even though there's not. That's why you get Avengers Endgame when all the characters go away and you think they're dead. They are trying to make these movies high stakes. And Venom is doing the exact opposite. And I think that's what more people want. They don't want these comic book movies to have stakes. They don't want their characters to die. They want to have 10, 12, 13 films of Venom just having a good time. They want to see a fun Woody Harrelson performance. They want to see colorful bad guys doing madness. They want it to be full chaos. They don't want to know what's going on. They don't want the plot. They want fun. And I think it's the same type of fun that you get in the Deadpool movies. Nobody cares about the plot of Deadpool. All we care about is that Ryan Reynolds Is doing quippy jokes. And all we care about Venom is it looks like Tom Hardy is having a good time. And if you think I'm wrong, the movie is undoubtedly a hit. It grossed $90 million its opening weekend, the highest amount during the pandemic. And the first Venom made over $900 million. These movies are clearly giving the fans what they want. I think they want less of the Marvel tonally serious films and more of the Venom let's have a good time films. It's one of the reasons why DC went from making dark films like Batman v Superman and Justice League, and then went on to make silly films like Birds of Prey and The Suicide Squad. They want more fun films. I think people want their comic book movies to be less serious and more fun. What I find really funny about the Venom films is that critics will try to take it seriously. They will say things like, oh, Venom is a love story between Tom Hardy and an alien. No, it's not. People just want to see Tom Hardy. Hardy do a silly alien voice and have some few funny awkward scenes with Michelle Williams. That's all they want. Nobody cares about the love story between an alien and a symbiote and a human. No one cares. They just want to see Tom Hardy give a goofy performance. They just want to see Woody Harrelson give a goofy performance. They just want to see Naomi Harris give a goofy performance and they want to see Michelle Williams. Think about this. Venom let there be Carnage stars four Oscar nominated actors. Hardy Harrelson, Harris, and Williams have all been Oscar nominated. That's what's interesting about Venom Let There Be Carnage is you have to take these movies seriously because they're hits. We could all ignore Batman Forever. We could all ignore Batman and Robin because they were not hit movies. They set the Batman franchise backwards, but the Venom movies are being taken more seriously because they are box office sensations. These are what the people want. People want more Venom. I mean, this is a far- Cry for when Topher Grace showed up in Spider-Man: Free as Venom, and everyone wanted him to go away immediately. People want Tom Hardy playing this character. In the post-credits scene, which I won't spoil, it lets you know that Venom isn't going anywhere. And if you think these movies are big now, they will probably get even more popular. And I'm not mad about it. Hardy is having a lot of fun, and the movie is ridiculous yet entertaining. I think the craziest thing about Venom: Let There Be Carnage is this movie might end up being the highest grossing movie of the year. I think it's going to make more money than Dune. I think it's going to make more money than the James Bond film No Time to Die. I think Venom is seriously mainstream entertainment like we've never seen before. It's hard to know why this series has so many fans. Is the character that iconic? Like I grew up with the character. I read some of the comic books. I watched the Spider-Man animated TV series, but I had no idea Venom was this popular. It's like the same with Deadpool. I just didn't see that coming. Are people seeing these movies because of Ryan Reynolds and Tom Hardy? Or are they seeing these movies because they love those characters? I have no sense of that. That's what's so strange about superhero movies. You have no idea if people are seeing these movies because they're starring massive movie stars or because they love these characters. Did people go see the first Iron Man because of Robert Downey Jr. or because of Iron Man? Did people see Captain America because of Captain America? America or because of Chris Evans. I have no idea. Part of me thinks people love the Venom franchise because of this weird tone. It's weirdly comedic. It's strange. Tom Hardy is doing the silly voice. He's talking to an alien. It's not taking itself too seriously. I mean, I also have to say I love the 90-minute runtime. I don't need all my superhero movies to be two and a half hours long with these ridiculous plots. Venom Let There Be Carnage is a movie that knows where what it is, it knows how to give it to you, it knows how to give you what you want. I mean, I could never see one of the Marvel Studios movies being that short. I mean, I think an Ant-Man movie should be about 90 minutes, especially for some of those lesser characters. I don't need all of these movies to be two and a half or three hours long, and Venom knows that. That's probably the highest compliment I can give to the Venom franchise. It is very self-aware of what it is. It doesn't take itself to seriously. It knows what it is. It's a silly comic book movie that just happens to star four Academy-nominated actors. One of the things I'm baffled with with the reviews of Venom Let There Be Carnage is people telling you that this movie is better than the first one. No, it's not better. It's the exact same thing. It's everything that you liked in Venom wrapped again. It's Venom Let There Be Carnage. It is what most sequels are. People saying that this is more of what you want, I find that to be ridiculous. It's the exact same kind of movie. Tonally the first Venom was weird and Venom Let There Be Carnage is equally weird. And I'll say this the bad guy in the first movie played by Riz Ahmed is way better than Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris. The last thing I'll say about Venom Let There Be Carnage is if you are a fan of the first one you will definitely like this one. I highly recommend you check out the movie Venom Let There Be Carnage and long live Tom Hardy doing weird and silly voices. Thanks for for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And this week I put the spotlight on the career of actress Anne Hathaway and the movie Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of director Christopher Nolan and the movie Black Widow starring Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.